write those in. It is our podcast on IMDb's top 250 movies as ranked by all those crazy users. This week we are tackling a little movie called Spirited Away. I will be with you on this journey. I am Tyler Hannon, a giant baby who will cry if you don't listen to the whole thing. With me I have the soot sprite, Kayla St. Ange. Hey. And our guest this week is a good friend, Phil. Phil is the Boilerman. Hello. Phil, are you excited to be on? I'm very excited to be on. I've been looking forward to this. All right. You're going to immediately make us look far less professional. you got a nice <laughs> radio voice going on, and you are immeasurably more prepared Excuse me. I could do a great radio voice. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Hello. Welcome to our podcast. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Before we get to Spirited Away, which, who, I, I mean, we'll find out whether we like that movie or not. I'm going to leave you hanging for a bit. But we're going to talk about a few things we've watched recently first. Phil, have you watched anything good recently? Oh, recently. Let's go back through the last four movies that I watched. Um, I, I had Kayla over for a bit, and we watched It Follows. And I have had nightmares literally every night since oh no uh, i i showed my sister the first scene again and she will never watch a movie with me ever again <laughs> i cannot describe how terrifying that movie was for me it's you know it's oh, funny God. i felt i felt so bad because i had seen it so many times that by the time i watched it with you like it was so i was like so nonplussed and you were like so terrified i felt immensely guilty <laughs> i felt bad because i kept talking through it because that's how it keeps me that's how i keep myself calm during scary movies no and, it's okay <laughs> oh god i talked so much <laughs> it's one of those was, uh, oh. yeah the only reason so i couldn't good. talk was because um we saw it in theaters originally so it would have been mm -hmm. societally frowned upon if it makes oh, yes. you feel better she was terrified when we saw it oh my god oh, i told oh, him i told him all about it <laughs> oh god that oh it was a beautiful movie though like i want to i keep wanting to watch it again but i can't bring myself to do it right now the more times you watch it the more desensitized you become so you might as well just jump right in <laughs> i know but i can't watch it alone that's <laughs> the thing i gotta find people to <laughs> watch it with. i'll come back we'll watch it again together <laughs> do it i'll bring oh, tyler it'll the, be super fun the camera yes. is so tremendous in that movie it's like from the very first scene that you mentioned phil just the the way it spins around. The continual around shot. Her. Yes. Mm -hmm. That one and then the high school shot where it spins in yep. a circle. Mm -hmm. It's just oh. so good. <laughs> but, but you, and Kayla knows how big on this I am, but the soundtrack was the show stealer. Ah, uh, yes. Far and Beyond, Disaster Piece is one of my favorite artists current, currently, and he is just incredible. And that soundtrack was just magical. Oh my gosh, that was actually so fun because like I remember I was like I showed Phil like a song from it because I was like, yeah, dude, like you the the soundtrack is really like the best part and yeah, yeah. And he was like asking me who it was and I was like, oh, it's a uh, he does like video game music, disaster piece, and immediately he was just like, no way. And I was like, oh, you know who that is? Cool. I'm all over disaster piece. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm acquainted with disaster piece because uh, my co-host on my other podcast, the Nothing Sounds Cast, and a future guest of this podcast, Kyle Minton, he is a huge Disaster Piece fan, and he was on. We actually talked about that for a segment on our other podcast, mm -hmm. and he's just he was the one who introduced me to Disaster Piece with the Fez soundtrack last year. Oh, and Fez! It's, what a soundtrack! Yes, it is really good. I haven't even played the game yet, but the soundtrack is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I. 
uh, if you like Disasterpiece, I highly recommend looking into Hyperlight Drifter, which is the newest game he's working on. Um, I backed it on Kickstarter. I put like seriously like two hundred dollars towards it because I was just blown away by the whole the whole thing and everything it was doing. And he's doing the soundtrack for it. And the newest trailer they released today is just so powerful. Like I cannot wait for this game next year, next spring. It's going to be amazing. Can I come like watch you play it? Because it sounds really <laughs> good, well, but I'm really bad at video games. I pl- I pl- I actually plan on streaming it on Twitch. Yes. So okay. Yeah. Let me know on that. It's I'd love to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I need to see that trailer. I, that's one thing I wish I had, I haven't paid much attention to Kickstarter the last six months due to being mm-hmm. broke. And <laughs> game. The best thing to do when you're broke is. <laughs> game Kickstarters are something I want to get in on again more. Because mm-hmm. I love um, Kyle again. It's real super into indie games. And if I had more time for indie games, I would love to invite them into my life more because they are almost inevitably more fascinating. Absolutely. I, I, I don't play any AAAs anymore. I just play the indies. And they're so much better. They're simpler and they're more fun. I can't claim to be too much on that end because I still play a lot of Bioshock and Borderlands, but but I love some <laughs> indie games. I'm super into like GameCube Fire Emblem specifically. The, the, the only so. game that you play, yeah. <laughs> okay, I play um, Pokemon and Fire Emblem for the Game Boy. So that's true. You gotta <laughs> get on. you gotta get a 3ds for the new Fire Emblem. I know. Out. I seriously do. But yeah. Okay. So what else have you watched besides it? Follows? Um, okay. After uh, before it follows, I watched uh, Mockingjay Part One. Mm. I cannot stand the Hunger Games movies. I have watched all three so far, <laughs> and just I cannot get behind them at all. I I am not a fan of Jennifer Lawrence in the slightest. Same. And I just. I, she she doesn't do anything for me. The Hunger Games are weirdly like has. the only yeah they're like the only thing I can like kind of like set aside my I don't like her vibe for and I definitely think the third one was the best of the three of them. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I would argue. Yeah, I'd argue that it could have been much better. Um, Need more catch, catching Catching Fire had better had had a lot better parts, but wasn't well, Jenna as Malone's cohesive as a whole. Her. That's true. She <laughs> makes everything. <laughs> but yeah, my, eh, it was all right. I, I can't say I liked it or enjoyed it, but I watched it so I can say that I didn't like it. <laughs> it's a thing that exists in your life. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I feel about all the Hunger Games movies, to be honest. Like, like when I'm watching them, I, I'm like, okay, this is fine. But then later I, like, find all of the things I didn't like about them. And it just, like, in my mm-hmm. head, just, like, keep nitpicking them to death. Oh, I know how that is. Go summer blockbusters. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then before that, I watched, I, I did a, another rewatch of uh, Draft Day with Kevin Costner. <laughs> okay. Absolutely love that movie. And I really want, I really wish I could do the experiment where I don't know if I'm as emotionally attached to the movie because it's about the Cleveland Browns or if it's actually that good of a movie. No. Okay. Here's I actually have something to add to this. I, I have not okay. seen the movie, but I think it has like, you have to be emotionally connected to football somehow. So like you're emotionally connected to the, to the Cleveland Browns, but like mm-hmm. Keith, uh, my boss at the record label that I work at, he watched it and loved it because he loves football. So like maybe okay. if you have an emotional connection somehow, it's a good movie. But like, if I watched it, I would probably be like, why like why is this a movie <laughs> or if you're just yeah. really into kevin costner you know that's that's true american superhero kevin costner Co- costner is amazing mm-hmm. 
Paul Kent. I haven't seen yeah. enough Kevin Costner movies to have an opinion on this. I'm I sorry. I don't, I don't actually like Kevin Costner. All, all you gotta do is watch Draft Day. I'm telling you. We so should good. all we should all get together and watch Draft Day, like with we some beer and some popcorn. And, and you guys you guys can sit there and be like, "What the hell is this?" And I'll just cry and cry <laughs> and cry because they're making fun of my team. And there was a fourth one. I think you said there were four. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. And the last one was Ant Man. And I have to I, I just have to put this out there because a lot of people don't believe me and a lot of people have passed up Ant-Man. But I think Ant-Man's one of the better Marvel movies since Iron Man. Like, I rank Ant-Man higher than Avengers 2 and higher than, uh, I mean, it's up there with Iron Man 3 and Captain America 2. Okay, as long as you don't rank sure. it above Captain oh, America no. 2, that's oh, no. okay. No, no. Phil, I love incredible. you so oh, much for bringing this discussion to the podcast this week. <laughs> Let me just get that out there. Oh, we have to talk about... We're going to get to uh, the episode... <laughs> Without any Chris Evans talk. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let you talk about Ant-Man, but I just want to oh, say Jesus. Captain America is great. Captain America is great. <laughs> Captain I, America is great. I think it was on the first episode of our podcast where I had just seen Ant-Man, and I did vouch for it being actually better than... I, I mean, I think everybody admitted it's better than what they expected after the Edgar Wright fiasco well, after just like the whole yeah. like i just feel it's been in development for like 10 yeah. years so like Can't i haven't that, seen yeah. it yet full disclosure i just felt <sighs> like there was no way it could be good but i've heard enough from people that i trust that i'm probably gonna go see it soon i just haven't had time mm-hmm. i i a lot of people are making assumptions about the movie like oh mm-hmm. it you know it doesn't include this or it doesn't include that and you gotta watch it because a lot of people have be are wrong <laughs> because it does include these things you just have to go see it right and see how they incorporate I feel like that's it like a big maybe issue with like popular movies is that people like will just immediately start talking about it without having actually seen it yeah well like like with civil war coming out a lot of people are writing it off already because or we're oh. writing it off at the beginning because oh, oh spider-man's not going to be in it in it because they don't have spider-man what kind of person would write off Civil War? I have not written off Civil War. I have said that I am concerned about Civil War. There is a huge difference. I can't believe this came up again, honestly. <laughs> hey, the Kyle, how's it going? Not, the cinematic universe is not the comic universe. They're different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, I, yeah. I did feel Ant-Man was a little hamstrung by the just... It's kind of an origin story in the trappings of the Marvel Universe, but yeah, there was it was like... it was a weird origin story because it wasn't the it wasn't like the Ant Man origin story. It was kind of like the passed down yeah. origin story. Which I, I Scott Lang is my preferred Ant Man, anyways. Hank Pym yes. sucks. Agreed. Agreed. But um, I, Paul Rudd is delightful. Evangeline Lilly, I've been want. I'm so it took so long for her to get another big shot after Lost. Yeah, but I'm glad oh yeah, she came. I kept it, yelling at her. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back, <laughs> and she finally got back. She fin- Kate got back. <sighs> she did it. Kate got back. I'm so proud. She's the best part of Lost in the Lost that I've seen. So. The only problem, I mean, the only problem with Ant Man is the whole time they have to make it ex- make excuses why Scott Lang has to be Ant Man and not eventually. That I, I I roll my eyes a bit at that, but it's a pretty fun standalone. Yeah, I I I liked the way that it was handled in the like and all wrapped up and everything. I really enjoyed that, but um, no spoilers. But <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. It wasn't the best. Like. Oh, why can't I be Ant Man? Because you're my daughter. 
okay well, so why can't she be it <laughs> give a reason please also phil we don't care about spoilers at all in this podcast there's I a do. full disclaimer i mean for so. for like for 2015 movies i feel oh, like yay. it should be a little more understandable. <laughs> okay okay until we do fury road but anyone who fury hasn't road seen is... fury road by now <sighs> all bets off it comes out on dvd we have it next Tuesday. We have it in our possession at this time. This is true. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy like every single edition of the Blu-ray, <laughs> and every single concurrent re- edition afterwards, just so I can have every single special feature. <laughs> it's amazing. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. I liked most of those movies. Yeah, but let's uh let's go on to uh what you guys have been watching. Kayla. Enough about me. <laughs> You're okay, um, Phil. Take your time. Yeah, for real. Yeah, you're. Kayla, way... you gotta wrap it up quickly. But go well, on. good news is, uh, once again, I have been trapped in the miasma hell of working too much. So the only things that I've had time to watch. Uh-huh. Uh, the other day, Tyler and I watched the Francis Ford Coppola version of Dracula. Weird movie. Which I love personally. Definitely some weird stuff in there. Not gonna mm-hmm. lie. He makes odd choices. He does, which is what makes him a good filmmaker. Dracula turns into a werewolf. He doesn't turn into, he turns into like a wolf. A wolf man? Yes, but it's not like. A humanoid wolf creature? Yes, but he's not a werewolf because he's a vampire. It's like, it's an interesting, he can turn into many Uh things. Okay, he turns into fog. He turns into a bunch of rats. Fog does not hold on. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh. Okay. That's that's the the original. Yeah. Here's the thing that I want to say about Dracula is that. It is clearly a pretty dated movie, but also it's, like, super cool. And I think, honestly, that the source material, like, the book Dracula, is one of the most boring things I have ever read. And so the Mm -hmm. fact that they were able to take that and make it into a really interesting movie is really cool to me. My only complaint with it is that in the movie they give... uh, Winona Ryder plays uh, Mina, which is awesome because 90s Winona Ryder is my absolute... 100% 100% dream girl, probably. Like, the only person more than that that I'm in love with is Haley Williams. But, like, so in the movie, they give her so much more agency. Like, she carries on in this, like, kind of, like, pseudo affair with Dracula because he meets her in the street and they become friends and they go to, like, they drink absinthe, they go to shows together, like, that kind of thing. And eventually it gets down to the point where, like, she definitely, like, she chooses to go with him. Like, you see throughout the throughout the film that Dracula is 100% capable of using his thrall on people. But she, like, he says, like, I can't do this to you. Like, I don't want to condemn you. But she says, no. She says, take me away from all of this death. And she willingly drinks of his blood. And so that's what, like, kind of pisses me off is that they go with the ending where they kill Dracula and Mina's, like, saved, quote, whatever. And, like, I don't know. I, I know that in the book that's what happens and that she, like, doesn't really want to be with him but when you have this narrative in the movie that she clearly like loves him more than she loves keanu reeves character jonathan harker whose name escaped me for a moment because keanu keanu is so bland in this movie that honestly it's really easy to forget that he's jonathan harker keanu is never bland okay keanu is one of i really like I, i like keanu because he's a good man so i don't want to trash keanu on this podcast john wick is a great movie 
Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so my, my issue is that like they give they take the time to give Mina all of this agency and to like clearly show that she's okay with this and that she like wants to do this, but then in the end they just end up taking that away from her. And like mm. they kind of redeem it by like having her be the one to like kill Dracula and let him like ascend to heaven and like kind of like redeem these years of like vampiric, like hellish landscape or whatever. Still confused about how he goes to heaven when even before he was a vampire he was impaling people on stakes and leaving <laughs> He was no 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 he was doing that in defense of the church. Uh oh, as you know, violence oh, okay. is okay as long as you're doing it for god yes yes yeah but yeah so i don't know that's that's (laughs) but yeah so that is my criticism of that movie i really like that movie but i just wish that it ended a little bit differently or that like they just maybe stuck to the source material and like didn't give me all of that choice because what it comes down to is you have a bunch of dudes being like no you can't make that choice let's go kill this guy blah (laughs) like that's not cool it's not good and then, um, let's see, the other thing, we started to watch Underworld <laughs> that same night. And I haven't seen Underworld since I was, like, in eighth grade and really into vampires and werewolves. It was really cool in eighth grade. Oh, my God. So the first... It's still really cool. <laughs> okay, I really would like to, like, actually sit down and watch this movie because I think I would maybe still be okay with it. But, like, in that first scene when they start pulling out guns, I was like, holy shit, I forgot that this was, like vampires fighting with guns like i was just completely flummoxed like new metal movies of the early 2000s like it reminded me of the matrix like it was like the it was honestly really similar to the matrix (laughs) it was it was twilight in the matrix (laughs) yes i love it that's i want what could be a better movie Oh, <laughs> but yeah um other than that i'm still in my continual loop of rewatching parks and rack it never ends i had a really good time the other day i was kind of bummed out and i watched a couple episodes and was able to relive leslie note meeting joe biden and it was yes. beautiful i i just got to that scene yeah, <laughs> yes. <it's> fantastic <laughs> okay so the part where um chris traeger is like talking about dealing with his anxiety and stuff and he holds up a piece of wood and is like yeah. i made this <laughs> Before I started, it was bigger. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just connect to that on such like an emotional, spiritual level. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been watching. Movies, never ending Parks and I have like so many things I could be watching, but I just keep watching Parks and Rags. So yeah. whatever. Tyler, please tell me what you've been up to. Well, ridiculous. basically the same movies you watched mm-hmm. as we were together. And <laughs> we're almost always is... together. Okay. <laughs> Mostly. As this was an abbreviated recording session, I have not had a lot of time to watch movies. But I did fit in a couple episodes of Bob's Burgers today. Which is just such a delightful show. Uh, It was one of the Halloween episodes, too, just by coincidence. Oh, yes. It's great. Those are always good. The one with the, uh, there's a fort and a dumpster. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of my favorite episodes. That's a great episode. With the plastic spiders. Oh, yes. (laughs) The voice, the voice acting in that show is incredible. The jokes. Eugene Merman is my favorite person right now. <laughs> Kristen Schaal is such a delight in that show. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you guys a really funny story about a Eugene Merman joke? You have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. Okay. So the Eugene Merman joke where he talks about buying toilet paper. Um, <laughs> so 
a couple years ago, Chris like did that to me at a store. My Kill fiance, fiance Chris, yeah, where he like yelled at like I picked up like he picked up toilet paper and was like, "No, this is not a luxury." Or whatever the joke is, I'm sorry, I can't really remember <laughs> it word for word right now. Great story. And like I never knew that it was somebody else's joke. And so earlier this year, Tyler and I went to see Bob's Burgers live. And Eugene Merman told that joke on stage, and I just immediately, I was, like, pissed. I was so pissed. And Tyler just, like, looked over at me. and That's because you punched me. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> yes. I don't remember that. But, yeah, I was, like, livid because, like, one, I was pissed at the time when Chris did that to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fact that it was, like, a stand-up joke made it so much worse. <laughs> has, has he done the other one where it's, uh, you know what? I am going to get bananas. Do they call them bananas here? <laughs> no, that one he has not. Done. <sighs> That's a good one. <laughs> thankfully. Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I just, that, the story was yes. too good. I had to tell it, so please continue. I mean, I like I said, I didn't have had much in the recently watched, so there was that. The continuing adventures, throwing adventure hour I've been listening to. <laughs> I'm from Earth. <laughs> it's just going to continue. Uh, I turn I turn my podcast. I turn my mother onto that podcast really yes no it 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 ended like right before we started the podcast but we're gonna we keep mentioning on this podcast like it's fresh and new (laughs) listen to it or your life is void listen to this thing that's 10 years old it's brand new alive this way (laughs) oh yes forever they'll bring it back because of us it is funny hearing listening back to all these episodes again hearing about like oh hey our kickstarter is almost there and i'm like man i can't I can't go back and contribute to that Kickstarter. I, I can't. I can't give to you guys. I can't go back and pre-order that graphic novel. Okay, that graphic <laughs> yeah, novel right. goes for like hundreds of dollars on Amazon, and I'm so pissed about it because I want it so badly. <laughs> you could always like go on an elaborate heist, or we'll just invent time travel. Okay, Phil's an engineer. Oh we can gosh. get time travel. Oh god. We'll go Not back that in kind time. of engineer. <laughs> what if we just had an elaborate heist? This sounds that sounds less. Actually, it'd just be a heist. All right. I guess. We'll get twelve of I us. I guess. And like we could. We'll get twelve of us. And... <laughs> Fine. We won't do time travel. We'll just do I, a heist. That's how the one hangout red pit anyways. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> red pit a sponsor now. He, sure. He wants. You know. <laughs> so we're up to Channing Tatum, Anna Kendrick. Chan- or Channing Tatum, um, Brad Pitt. Channing Tatum twice. <laughs> Channing Tatum twice. Channing Tatum twice. Yes. Forever. It's cool. Yeah. So yeah, you know. Leah Seydoux just got cast as the female lead in Gambit today. No way. Yeah. I love nice. her. Yeah. I'm still not thrilled on a Gambit movie because I don't think the character was all that great. But then again, I could be wrong because I also don't like Deadpool at all. Well, get ready for a whole lot of Deadpool, son. Because <laughs> the internet will not shut up about it. One. I know. They haven't shut up about Deadpool since before it was a movie. <laughs> That's true. Shut Deadpool. up about Deadpool. It's just kind of omnipresent now. That's true. Yeah. I don't have any beef with it, so. I am neutral in this situation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I also dislike Ryan Reynolds. Aww. 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 Burn, burn, burn me at the stake. But... <laughs> Is it because he ruined Green Lantern for you? What did he do? No, I just never got him. <laughs> I just never thought he was funny. See, one of my lasting memories of Ryan Reynolds is in my one of my early years of high school, a friend of mine just pausing the screen watching Just Friends and being just, see, this is why I love this movie. Look at his back. 
<laughs> the most incredible bat I've ever seen. I don't know if you guys know this. And it's an impressive bat. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know it this, but going bat. to a Christian school leads to so many surprising homoerotic moments. Like, you would not no, believe. No, that, that was a girl who said that. Oh, it was a girl? Yes. Okay. That makes me feel slightly better because if, I was just like... Make, if it helps with the homoeroticism, I did appreciate the bat very much. I was like, dang. Well, that's just like the human condition. It's true. It was mm-hmm. a very impressive back. <laughs> it's a very nice back. I He's a really good looking man, and I feel like you can admit that even if you don't like him as an actor. Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. He's very good looking. All right. Well, on a note of Ryan Reynolds being an attractive man who Phil hates... <laughs> <laughs> Our movie this week is completely unrelated to both Ryan Reynolds and Bax. (laughs) We watched Spirited Away. So Spirited Away by the legendary filmmaker Miyazaki, whose first name I just blanked out for some hey reason. Hayao. Hey, Hayao Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank it's, you, friends. It's not an episode if Tyler doesn't forget somebody's name. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I, prepare, I prepare so much in so many other ways. <laughs> at least I also forget the American names at as pre- 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 ah, prodigious a rate. Mm-hmm. As in, I yes. never remember them. Yes, that's true. That's in fact, last week he literally forgot somebody's name while it was on the computer in front of oh him. So. You know whose name I'm not forgetting? Susan Egan, because I had to watch the English version of this, the dubbed version, which is mm-hmm. I am usually very not not super opposed to, but I prefer to watch the subtitled version. Mm-hmm. Reasons I was stuck with the uh, Eng- the dubbed version this time. And the woman who voices Lynn is Susan Egan, who also voices Meg in Hercules. Yes, okay. It was immediately apparent. I heard her voice, and I was just, Meg, you're, where did you come from? Well, the good thing about this movie is that, like, there's not, like, a huge difference between the subbed and the dubbed version. Like, the dubbed version mostly just adds adds things in for context, in in my opinion. Yes. And I just wanted to start on the most important note, which is connecting it to Hercules. So... (laughs) I, I can just picture you sitting there watching it and hearing her voice and being like, no chance, no way. <laughs> say, no, okay. I'll, I will sing, sing along session. I will sing it. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, Spirited Away is, pro- is probably pretty easily the most widely adored film we've covered on this podcast so far. And as it did, it, it came out in 2001. I do want to ask you to... When you first saw the movie and kind of how it affected you when you first saw it, did it stick or has it only been like the years since you last saw it that it's kind of really hit you? Phil, please go ahead first because you're the guest. Oh, God. Um, when did I first see it? I I was Spirited Away was my first foray into uh, Japanese animation besides like Toonami and Dragon Ball Z and all that. But I was... You know, really into Dragon Ball Z at the time. I think it was in eighth grade, so that would have been 2003. And they had, I think they had 
the library had an anime club and they had the Laserdisc version of Spirited Away. Ooh, wow. And so we watched the Laserdisc version of Spirited Away, which, by the way, is incredible. Like, I that I can say that. I was going to say, that that's a sentence you can say, like, in your life? Factual? Oh, yeah. You know, my friend I got to watch Harry a Laserdisc like, version. a really large Laserdisc collection, so it's really funny that Laserdisc gets brought up. Derek's probably I listening. Love... I just got to say, of course Derek has a Laserdisc <laughs> Right. <laughs> Anyway, please, Phil, continue. But, um, yeah, it was, like, my first real foray into Japanese animation. I can't really consider this anime because it's not. It's There's so much more heart put into it, I think. I feel like but, film um, is different than, like, anime TV series. Well, I mean, you have anime film, too. And it's it's the way it's the... I think it's the subject material and the way that it's presented more than anything in I, I spirited away is very subtle and um all all of miyazaki's films are very subtle and nothing's like right out in front of you and nothing's just explained to you which in a lot of anime everything's just like here's this and this is what this is and this is why this is and here's the backstory on this and you're just like okay that was an episode and i got nothing from it like but with Miyazaki, he does the show not tell sort of thing, which I adore because it's just so much better. And that was that was one of the things that I noticed when watching it. I was just like, man, they're not just screaming for an entire episode while powering up, which is what <laughs> I was used to. And I I loved it. I absolutely loved the movie. I came to tears, and all my friends were by me, so I hid my I hid my tears. And but it was it was such a good movie, and I thought about it a lot afterwards and i've probably seen it about a hundred times since in the what 12 years since i last or since i first saw it mm-hmm. absolutely one of my favorite movies probably top 10 for sure but i it has stuck with me forever i showed my sister as soon as i got it on dvd and she loves it and i don't know if my i've i've shown my parents but a lot of my friends i've forced to watch it and and they were not interested at all and then they turned out they loved it too so i think it's a very powerful movie it really it does what it needs to do and it brings a lot of people onto its side and i like that it's lovely I I suppose I should mention up front, yeah, we all love this movie, which is why we can kind of jump into these more specific uh, interpretations and the things we bring into it. Mm -hmm. Kayla, what is your relationship with this movie? Um, Okay, it's real. I don't remember the exact year that I first saw this movie, but I remember like the situation that it was. It was, I was having a sleepover with some of my friends in grade school and we had gone to the video store and I think my mom just like saw it and was like, oh, animated movie kids, cool. And so we picked it up and we watched it and like, I just like, everybody else thought it was really weird, but I remember just loving it instantly, like right off the bat and thinking it was so cool and so like different from so many other like kids animated movies that I had seen. And it's really interesting to me because yeah, that was also like my first introduction to studio ghibli and miyazaki and it's really cool to me that like i just happened to see that movie as a kid and that now like foreign film and miyazaki and stuff is something that i'm very passionate about so i 
like to think that maybe seeing Spirited Away as a kid kind of like laid the groundwork for that passion that I have for foreign film and stuff like that. But also like it's such a gorgeous film and I don't think as a kid like Disney movies are really pretty but like they're not like I guess the stakes aren't as high as they are in Disney movies. Like in Disney movies, you kind of always know that like everything's going to turn out to be okay. But Spirited Away right off the get-go kind of has this really like, it's it's kind of scary. Like your parents are turned into pigs. Like you're just suddenly thrust into the spirit world where if you don't eat enough of the food, you're going to disappear. And pretty much everybody hates you and like I don't like that doesn't really happen in Disney movies like you always like have the feeling that things are going to be okay or like not even just Disney movies like other kids movies and I kind of like that like in Spirited Away and in other Miyazaki movies like there's a certain responsibility that the main character has to make their ending a happy ending if that makes sense like it's not a given it's like something they have to work towards and like develop towards because in the movie that's like a big thing that happens is like when you first see Chihiro she's like this really sullen like kind of an asshole little kid who like is mad that her parents are moving and mad that they're going to this new place and like by the end of the movie she like has grown up a lot has like she understands herself better. She's become like really compassionate. She's able like in the end of the movie, she even like forgives the evil spirit that pretty much trapped her there and like called like refers to her as her grandmother. So I think that like that kind of lesson to see that as a little kid and to like carry that with me later into life is really important. And I think that maybe other children's movies should kind of learn from that example and maybe not make the happy ending so much of a given and like expound upon that like you have to work towards making things happen for yourself kind of vibe but yeah Yeah. um and I guess specifically like uh when I was like 14 I got super into like anime and manga and all of that stuff and like that was one of the first things that I revisited was Spirited Away and a bunch of other Miyazaki movies as well so I think that the cultural impact is really important and it's really cool to me that this movie was one of the first like anime movies to win an Academy Award and to really get that kind of recognition because I think it's really important for kids to see that kind of story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> and I have my relationship with both Miyazaki and anime in general is a lot. It is, I don't have as much as one. I saw a number of them when I was much younger, about a decade ago, and I haven't seen much since until I watched his latest and ostensibly last, although we'll see. He goes into retirement after, like, every movie, so I wouldn't worry too much. much. uh, (laughs) I still haven't seen The Wind Rises. I I haven't either. It's good. It's much much different than, like, Spirited Away and uh, Paul's Moon Castle and things like that. But it's it's even more meditative, meditative. But Spirited Away, a lot of the imagery, like I said, it's been a long time, but a lot of the imagery lasted me with, lasted for me. Things like the parents being turned into pigs. Uh, no face, both in the quiet and mysterious form and in the gluttonous, monstrous uh. form. Yes. Uh. That, like, uh, many of those, the ending, I didn't realize it stuck with me until it came back and I remembered the ending. Uh, it makes me a little sad. I've always had respect for Miyazaki just by sheer force of cultural will, if nothing else. 
But I, it does make me a little sad I didn't see these more as a kid, and also that I couldn't appreciate how much is going on in them as a kid. This is getting yeah. more into the themes and digging in, but the thing that hit me right away that I never knew as a kid is the first scene is her in a car with her parents, and you realize that they're moving to a new town where she doesn't know anyone. And then she's... It's almost like it could have been something in her imagination where it takes her to this new place where everything is strange and weird and different and she doesn't know anyone. And that that is something that really stuck with me more so than some of the other themes going on is just this being by being all alone in this new place and like you don't have your parents there to help you out all the time and that's probably connected to i moved a lot as a, i moved a lot as a kid especially especially at key times and so it's a thing that really stuck with me because miyazaki is i mean just watching this for the first time in years is just tremendous at uh at like understanding not only the human condition but also like how children work like, I remember watching the Woody Allen movie, um, Blue Jasmine, where the kids are just <laughs> fonts of, like, I, mom said you did this, and aunt said you did that, and I said, that is not how children work, Woody Allen. <laughs> we won't get further into that, but that is just the most egregious version of that I've seen recently, where it's just someone mm-hmm. clearly not knowing how kids function. But in this movie, from everything from the way that she is animated, like, all scrawny, and, like, the way she runs down the stairs, and the way she's, like... Oh, I love the way she runs. She's yes. so awkward. That is the thing that I noticed yes. today while I was watching it, is yeah. that it's so beautifully animated, like, how awkward she is. And, and then another thing that affects it is, like, I have a sister who's about her age, and just so many of the ways... And it's not just, a, like, a young girl thing. It's, the, like, young... It's the children in general, young boys, too. The way they get in front of, like... Um, very uh, authority with a very big personality or the way they, like I said, like running down the stairs, like I ran down the stairs in weird ways or like would crawl down weirdly on my butt (laughs) and things like that. And he just seems to have such an understanding of of how these things work. So even as all this fantastical things, this fantastical stuff, all these crazy things are happening and she's in this in hugely imaginary universe it feels it is tremendously effective and feels tremendously true with how it treats its its characters human or otherwise yeah it doesn't pull away from like she's still that awkward little girl even though you have all this fantastical stuff around them where most animators would like when she's alone yeah they'd probably put some of the quirks in but when she's surrounded by all these creatures you wouldn't dedicate so much time to making her walk awkwardly or look awkward or act awkward but Miyazaki does that and he's so good at keeping that just those minute details in there because he knows that it helps push the film and helps bring it to life even just how she carries things like the way she loved it the piece of coal and things like that. It, mm-hmm. Like that's so real. The way you just like back hunch, just like sidestepping over the things. I think that's a really good thing that you can say, not just about Spirited Away, but about like all Miyazaki movies is that he has such a good understanding of just like how people are. And especially like, it's really refreshing for me to see like 
little girls portrayed in such like a positive and affirmative manner because so many times in movies you have like little girls being punished for like their dumb choices or like kind of like having it told to them like how like how they pretty much are at fault and like at no point in the movie like Chihiro is not at fault for her parents being turned into pigs she's not like at fault for like she's not she's not punished for being like a bratty little kid which is really important and really awesome for me to see like to have seen that as a kid and to like carry that with me now because so many times like young girls are punished just for like being young girls and so it's nice Mm -hmm. to see that like validated and brought forward as like kind of a central piece of the movie like this is who she is and she grows like almost into herself by the end of the movie well there's there's a there's a nice little uh fact about the movie is that shahiro's actually was inspired by the daughter of one of miyazaki's good friends after meeting her and like seeing this girl who's just going starting into puberty and everything and like seeing how apathetic she is and um he he uh the quote is um he wanted to make a movie for 10 year olds and he said i felt this was not what they held dear in their hearts not what they wanted and so i wondered if i could make a movie in which they could be heroines like these kids they don't want to be apathetic they still want that wonder and magic in their life and they're starting to lose it by growing up and moving away from you know, being a, being a kid, but he wants to, he wanted to let all these kids know and make this movie so that they would still know that that magic's still out there. They just kind of have to look for it more and work towards it more, but it's still there. They shouldn't give up on it and, you know, become apathetic and hate the world and everything. And I, I'd love that. Yeah. That's honestly like so comforting to me too. And like, I mean, I feel like maybe like, even, like, unconsciously, like, maybe that message has been, like, carried with me throughout my life, because that was definitely, like, when I was a kid, like, this is a very important movie to me, and, like, it still is today, so it's, it's nice to hear that that was, like, intentional, and not just kind of, like, an accident, like, I feel like a lot of, like, female representation is in this. Yes. Well, that's the incredible thing, is that even, even though the intention can often be there, but the fact that he can execute it so very well, in that she's a very believable young girl, but, like, we're not... And she has, like, the timidity in certain things, but, like, that's okay. And the things that we focus on and uplift are the, how much she cares about people and how she's not the one just digging the food, where she's like, yo, mom, dad, this ain't, this can't just do that. <laughs> and just how, how strong she is and how hard she works and all these things. It really is, it like, kind of a celebration of her and of children like kind of children in general in a certain way just Mm -hmm. she's very innocent in that way and not in like the cliche way that we like we must protect the innocence that's in most like films yeah i think it's a celebration of her like coming to understand the world in a way and I don't know, there are some, like, and it's funny that you mentioned that, there are so many moments in this movie that are just, like, so, like, heart-achingly beautiful that, mm-hmm. like, I, I watched the movie today and, like, I cried, like, four times. It's just, like, stuff that's not, it's not, like, necessarily sad, but, like, I don't know, like, when she is in the garden with Haku and eating the onigiri and just, like, starts crying, like, that made me cry. Like, even just, like, the part where they're just, like, running through the flowers made me cry because it's just like so 
again, like heart-rendingly beautiful. And like another, like later in the movie when they figure out like what Haku's real name is and like the whole, like the dragon just like shatters and they just like fall through the sky with their tears like following after them. Like Mm -hmm. there's just something about like every part of this movie that is just like so amazing and so just... I don't know, like I'm trying to think of the right word, but just like it just like hits you in exactly the right way that it's meant to. And I think that's really a testament to Miyazaki as a filmmaker, like not just in this movie, but in all of the rest of his films as well. Oh yeah. It's 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 not the parts that you know, it's not a an attempt to tug at your heartstrings. It's just it's not even the parts that should tug at your heartstrings. It's mm-hmm. just the small little things that he puts in that just you're just like, wow it's it's beautiful i love i love the way he makes movies yeah and that goes back to like his understanding of like the human condition basically is that he understands us so well that like even the tiniest little things like the soot sprites like i teared up at the soot sprites (laughs) like bringing her shoes back to her oh yeah (sighs) and taking something from what both of you said um and what made me think of especially is when you mentioned how she's crying while eating the rice patties, is this, it's like the 20th thing that occurs to me about this movie, that this movie does really well, but that it gives her the time to kind of reflect on all these crazy things that are happening to her. Like she gets to be a human and react to these things, which is so like the, these things that are so often glossed over, which people just accept like, oh, I guess this is part of life now. And mm-hmm. she has like these strong emotional reactions because her parents were taken away and she's in this strange place. And it lets her kind of have those moments where she's kind of, it all hits her. Like overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and it, yeah. Like she loses her parents. She starts disappearing this kid comes and helps her whisks her away to like hide to hide her after she gets seen and then she has to go get a job and you know do it properly so as not to endanger any of the people who are helping her and you know all this stuff that she has to do and then it's not until like the next morning that she gets to finally sit down and have every event just wash over her from the past what like 12 14 hours yeah i think that's another thing i today was the first time that i watched the subtitled version as opposed to the dub version and i think what really stuck out to me the most about like the differences between the two is that i feel like haku is like so much nicer in the subtitled version and that also like chihiro has more like like i feel like in the american version she kind of has the propensity to come off like kind of obnoxiously she has um, what I like to call first grade play syndrome, <laughs> where it's kind of just yelling a lot of the time when there's supposed to be emotion. Yeah, it's definitely it's a lot more like the Japanese child actors had a much more like subtle approach to like the trauma, whereas Divi Chase was kind of yeah was definitely just like screaming like and I noticed that even like in the section in Yubaba's office where she's asking for the job, like you'll probably in when she's asking for a job, she's just like, please let me have a job. Bleh. But like in yeah, the Japanese but, version, it's more of a oh, yeah. controlled, like, yes. Davy like chase was uh, very much in that scene. Very much like I'm going to shout, I'm going to shout her down. And Rumi Haragi, who is the 
Japanese voice actor, she is very, very much calm, and I'm going to politely ask and politely keep asking, and eventually she'll go. Yeah, I feel like it probably is more of a cultural thing, like, uh, like in an American sense, like, it's, yeah. it's cool to see, like, this little girl just, like, scrappy, like, fighting for her right to mm-hmm. stay in this world. And then, like, more in the Japanese version, like, obviously Japanese culture places a really high value on, like, politeness and mm-hmm. respecting your elders and stuff like that. That, like, we kind of have that in America, but not as much. Not as much. Especially not as much nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keeping on the... Uh, voice actors because this this viewing was also my first time ever watching it uh with the english subs and uh, the japanese audio and i was absolutely blown away by how much better the japanese voice actors were in terms of everything like they fit so well um marinatsuki the voice of uh, ubaba and zaniba i love suzanne plachette she she is an excellent voice actor but in in this movie for the english uh dub but marinaski brought so much more to the character in the same in the same way uh like the subtlety and more of a it's it's just more gritty less grandma-y it was like yeah i feel like you baba is like so much scarier yeah, and then and like I the contrast that. of Zaniba is so much nicer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the same, the it's the same thing with um, uh, who was it? Uh, Punta Sugara, Sugawara, who was the voice of uh, Kamaji, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, David David Ogden Steers, who I found out was the voice of Jumba from uh, Lilo and Stitch. Oh, so nice. that's actually fun. a really funny connection. <laughs> yeah, a couple actors who cross over from this and Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, because Dippy yeah. Chase did uh, send. Yeah, she was Lilo. Yeah, but I thought Kamaji was so much better. He he was gruffer. He was, oh. he was like gruffer, but also more lovable at the same time. Yes, exactly, and that's what I loved about him. And I think it, that's it, why like... it's really important to like when you watch foreign films to also like you can watch a dub, but also to watch like the subtitled version because like especially with like Japanese anime, you lose so much in the dub. A lot of the yes, times because so much really so much Japanese humor and so much of that is tied up in like jokes that have to do with like letters looking similar and like mm-hmm. cultural things it's, like and that's the thing I noticed yeah. like watching this and like probably for the first time like since I was younger, like with a much more like adult understanding, like I felt like there was so much I was like I, it was the first time I became aware of how much I was probably missing from the story. Like how much it really had to oh, yeah. do with cultural differences. Like, yeah. um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I, I I feel like a lot of the movie is wrapped up in like kind of having a previous knowledge of like Japanese spirits and Japanese mythology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like as an American, like even watching the subtitled version, like there's just so much that kind of like will go over our heads in a way. Oh, for sure, yeah. I do wonder if um, that would help with a certain environmental takes uh, that com- that pop up in the movie, which mm-hmm. one thing I love about it is how there's so much going on. Like it's this tale of this girl going to a new place, but also there's the river spirit who's clogged up from all the pollution. And the big thing at the end is 
it's the river spirit whose river was taken away mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I do wonder if mm-hmm. that you hearing you two talk about that makes you wonder if those resonate even more from a uh, Japanese cultural uh, point of view. Yeah. I think either way, like that's fine that you mentioned the, the river spirit has always been like my favorite part of the movie. Oh, that, that whole scene from when, when they're cleaning out the big tub to like the end of that is absolutely my favorite scene in the entire movie. It's just so gorgeous. And I think really like in a way it kind of like sums up the entire movie, like half, like, I guess mm-hmm. it's funny cause it happens halfway through the movie, but like you have like this kind of like in a way gross, like thing becoming like this pure and strong thing again. And I think that kind of speaks to Chihiro's journey throughout the movie as well. And you can't mm-hmm. read a book by its cover. Exactly. Yeah. Important lessons to learn. Oh, that's <laughs> no stink spirit. Well, and I think that's really also the first uh, glimpse that you get that Chihiro is like a really like is really smart in a way that like the spirits wouldn't see because they were all immediately like ew gross like go away but then it turns out that he's like this very powerful river guardian who needed their help mm-hmm. and nobody saw that except for Chihiro because Chihiro is a human and is raised to kind of be like okay well let's figure this out as opposed mm-hmm. to like a spirit who is clearly like really like kind of obsessed with money and greedy yeah yeah the obsession with money was a thing yeah shihiro shihiro was very much not phased by money at all whereas everyone else was gold he makes gold oh man that whole that whole segment of the film it's funny because like when i was watching it again like i had kind of forgotten that the whole segment with no face was overlaid with the segment of like trying to help haku not die Oh yeah, like, those I, are I two, forgot that too. Yeah, those are two such like major things, and I feel like it takes again like a really skilled filmmaker to overlay such like major plot events without it getting like one like without one thing getting lost or another thing like mm-hmm. having to defer to the other. Like they both equally happen and are equally important to the development of all of the characters. Yeah, I will say I do, what I do need to watch again for more of the no face things because it, it it feels and may might be expecting too much, but it does feel like there is some sort of deeper meaning, whether it's like a very simple thing, like a, just a child being in a weird place or anything like that. But uh, the no face things, I feel like there's much more for me to delve out of the character of no face and the things that happen around no face that I did not pick up this first time watching in 10 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, there's a, uh, I was doing, I was doing some reading and I came across a, uh, fun don't quote me on that theory (laughs) um i i don't agree with it but i see where uh i see i can definitely see the where they're getting their ideas from but apparently in the edo period uh bathhouses were also brothels and the brothel mothers were um called yubabas and basically like when you worked at the when you worked at the brothel or the bathhouse, you would have to change your name. So Chihiro becomes Sen. And um, then you'd have to, you know, deal with the Johns or whatever. And that's the theory is, you know, uh, No Face is trying to give her the bath tokens and give her gold and she just won't accept them. And he's basically a John trying to take her and 
that's the theory and I get it in that sense, but I don't agree with it. I don't think Miyazaki would have done that. He probably did it for the sim like for the similarities, but I don't think he meant it to like be taken in that way, like, oh, this is a brothel. He's trying to have sex with her kind of thing. It's funny that you bring that up because I actually got into an argument at work with somebody about the exact same, like that exact thing about this exact really? movie. And like, there's like conflicting things because like some people say that like, oh yeah, he totally meant to do that. And like, it's hard with the internet to tell like what's real and what's fake. Mm -hmm. And like watching the subtitled version, I felt like that kind of parallel could be more easily drawn. And I guess that's also because like Japan isn't in the habit of like watering down their children's shows in the same way that yeah. America is. So like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's one of those things like it's there and like whether it was there intentionally or not yeah just the implication the implications there but you don't have to take it if you don't want exactly to, and kind of thing it's yeah it's also similar to like there's like a million theories about the ending when they go back to the human world yeah as about like how much time has passed and like mm -hmm. yeah all this other stuff but yeah i think that like the prostitution thing is it's it's a valid theory but again like i don't think that Miyazaki would have ever wanted that to be like the main focus or the main takeaway from the film. Yeah. I also don't know if that considers no face all the way through the film because I mean, there's that part of it, but then there's the part where no face leaves the bathhouse and becomes like less crazy. Like she specifically yeah. says that I think the bathhouse is making him crazy mm -hmm. and then they go away and, that, that this is the like this part especially is why I want to view it again and try to get more of an idea of what Miyazaki might be going for, because No Face is like cured and leaves the bathhouse and is nice again mm -hmm. and then <laughs> finds I guess kind of finds a place with um well No Face even says yeah, yeah he says even at one point that he's just lonely yeah and so. I feel like that's also a big theme of the movie is like coming together and finding friends in unlikely places. Like even the name No Face kind of hints towards the loneliness. Yeah. In a way, yeah. I prefer. Yeah, I definitely prefer to think of No Face as more of like a chaotic neutral figure yeah. in which like he has the propensity to be bad as we see, but he also has the propensity to be good. And depending on the environment, and that's also like a really important criticism, or maybe not criticism, like commentary on society where like we have the capacity to be like this crazy, gluttonous, awful thing, or like this like nice, helpful, hardworking thing in a way. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's a huge part of the movie too. I mean, look at Haku; he's helping Chihiro the whole time but then like when when she gets the job he treats her like dirt and then until the next morning when he can take her and it shows two sides of everyone like Yubaba is this horrible person but then at the end she still honors her deal and she still actually wants Chihiro to go home and in real in like realistic terms because Chihiro brought her baby back to her and you know but Bo also learned that my mom's not actually this nice person. She's actually really mean, and I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's it's a good view of reality that uh, of of uh, Chihiro's growing up. It's like I'm gonna meet a lot of people, and they're not gonna be nice. But they have the 
propensity to be. Yeah, I think it's like viewing the world in shades of gray as opposed to viewing it in black and white. And like, it's interesting, like bringing up the two sides of Haku is really strange, like because Haku is an interesting character in that he sort of has had his agency removed from him because Mm -hmm. Yubaba put like the tracker worm or whatever it is inside Mm -hmm. of him, like specifically so that she could control him. So even when you have Haku kind of being like a jerk or being mean, like it's not really him. Yeah. Also part of that was kind of to keep up appearances and to protect Chihiro in certain ways. Like at least the first, at first that's why, because oh, well, yeah. the thing is he's keeping up this facade to try to get her to get, to help her get a job and to help her like not turn, be turned into a pig. It's a really dark side of the movie that yeah. just kind of gets brushed over. It's like, oh, you get a job, or you get turned to a pig that is uneaten. <laughs> yes, but and, but even even then, it's still a. It, it, I I think it's still a very good look at real life because you do have those friends who would do anything for you and do everything for you, but still, at times you like they have to be, you know, stern and they have to be mean in order to make sure that you do what you need to do. Right. And he's he's one of those friends. <sighs> Yeah, I just, I think the whole movie is such, like, it's so refreshing to me to see a children's movie that, like, treats children as intelligent viewers. And I feel like all Miyazaki movies are really good at that. And again, that goes back to him, like, really understanding kids. And that, like, he understands that, like, kids are smart and they want to learn and they want to understand the world around them. And so much of, like, children's TV programming and children's movies are just meant to, like, kind of distract them. And so it's nice to see a movie that is, like, so actively, like, focused on showing, like, the emotional growth and understanding and, like, emotional depth. Because, like, it's mentioned that, like, Chihiro is in love with Haku in a way, even though he's, like, a spirit and she's a human. And she goes to, like, these great lengths to make sure that he is safe and that he's okay and, like, I feel like in so many movies, like, like Frozen is a really good example of this, where, like, you have Anna and Kristoff, like, they're in love at the end of the movie, but, like, it doesn't really feel earned. Like, it just kind of, like, she, like... Sven. Yeah, she just... Or is it Sven? I'm sorry. Sven. Thank yes. you. <laughs> no, no, wait, what? No, Sven is the moose. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, Kristoff. Uh, I haven't guy. watched. Okay, yeah, you're right. I haven't okay. watched it. I was like, no, I've definitely watched this movie at work enough to know who the character names are. But uh, yeah, I haven't so it in a while. <laughs> because she like, like, so Anna spends all this time like running back to the castle to like meet up with Hans so that he can kiss her and like save her from dying, and then she's like, oh shit, wait, it was actually Kristoff who loved me the whole time. I need to go rush to him so he can save my life, and so like. You have them, like, being in love, but it's really cheap and, like, it's not earned. Whereas, like, in this Mm -hmm. movie and in other Miyazaki movies, the love that the characters have between each other is very much, like, on equal terms. They both know it. They both, like, work towards it. And it's a really good, like, example of, like, a healthy relationship for children. It's also more than just the 101 version of, oh, this time the girl saved the guy, which is nice on a certain level, but, like, and... Like is it's not necessary even... to have sometimes, but like this is 
three times deeper than it's, even that. Yeah, it's not even, and like, it's... it's like they work to save each other yeah. from their bad places. And, like, mm-hmm. that's such an important thing for, I think, anybody to see. Because in so many movies, it's, like, either the guy saves the girl or it's, like, this really, like, bravado showing of, like, reverse gender rules. The girl saves the guy. But in, like, a real-life healthy relationship, both of you are working together to make things happen for each other. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing, in my opinion, is that it's not a romantic relationship at all. Yeah. It is a friendship built on love. Yeah. Which most people don't think about. Like, guys can't be friends with girls. No way. Kind of thing. Like, <laughs> it's got to be love. But, it, like, like romantic love. And it's it's not. They are, like, they love each other, but they're there's nothing romantic about it especially because you know they're both technically 10 (laughs) (laughs) it's actually so fun to be able to talk about that because i feel like you two on like right now are probably the people that like i feel that most like strongly about friends (laughs) (laughs) like my two like most platonic friendships with people that are not of the same gender as me Mm-hmm. And it's like so many people <laughs> are always so confused. And so, again, like it's really nice to see that in a movie where it's like this very strong friendship based on not on like a romantic love. And yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because that's something that I feel very strongly about. And I feel very strongly about people of like different genders being able to be friends with each other without being in love. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking on the other Miyazaki movies, and the only other one that I the only one that I can think of that has a romantic anything to it is Howl's Moving Castle. And that's like yeah, and that's such like a more grown up, different story too. Yeah, and I and it and it deal and and the whole movie deals with a romantic love as well. Like that's one of the focuses. It's like to put a romantic subplot in Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke is not conducive to the plot at all. It's just adding fluff that right. is very unnecessary and actually muddles muddles everything down. Well, it's like yeah, and it's like even if you think about like Ponyo, which is supposed like very much supposed to be about like kids in love or whatever. Yeah. Like it springs from like a very deep, strong friendship. And I think that's also another really important message for kids to see is that like you should be friends with the person you're ostensibly like in love with. And you shouldn't like it shouldn't just be based on like randomly falling in love with them. Yeah, it's not just a physical attraction. It's not just it's built on so much more than that. Also, to bring up. We've been talking about all these very deep themes and these very important things. It's such a nice that like it's I, nice to do that like with a kids movie kind yeah, of. But I also want to bring it back to a very base level late, uh, level and also to that this movie is also hilarious in certain spots. <laughs> Seriously. Like with oh, uh, yes. with a uh, baby mouse and uh Ubama bird just like yes. doing their little shenanigans, <laughs> reenacting Chihiro. Reenacting the, the breaking the curse, yeah. Yeah, and all that stuff. <sighs> I mean I'm like, I don't totally get how the like that the baby would be like. I, I'm not sure it's the same character, but you know what? It's hilarious, and it's just mm-hmm. I'm like throughout this very like intense, like not intense, uh, this very emotional, all these thing, very emotional things going on. Suddenly, there's just like this little bit that's hilarious, and it's kind of like this movie's version of like a wacky animal sidekick, like your Olafs and things mm-hmm. like yeah. that. Yeah, except it's hilarious 
first of all, without being loud and annoying. <laughs> yes, that was there's very much appreciated. Yeah, there's a lot of incidental incidental humor in this movie too. Like when Chihiro has to like run back to Lynn to ask what a foreman is. Yeah. And... <laughs> yes, I didn't know that. I love that so much. What's a foreman? <laughs> like, yeah, and it's like you mentioned, like this film is like so is really emotionally heavy in so many ways, but like it also is really like we're making it sound like this real like deep thing, like and it is really deep, but there's also like so much like lighthearted, colorful, just like wonderful beauty to it. Truly it truly is a kids movie. Yeah. The 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 duck spirits in in the pool and yes. there's like <laughs> ten of them in the one bath. Yes, that's one of the best frames in the entire movie is just those things sitting in there and you're like oh there's yeah there's so much, like, small stuff that just like like it's similar to amelie in a way that like the whole movie makes my heart happy yeah. <laughs> and i just again i really can't say enough good things about miyazaki as a filmmaker because like that just as another testament to how much he understands people is that like you have all this emotionally heavy stuff but you also have these like really light happy moments like even when like lynn and chihiro are just like sitting there eating like their food after Perfect. the whole river spirit debacle yeah. and like you oh yes a wonderful segue yeah because I wanted to talk about this. Um, Miyazaki is brilliant at filmmaking because he understands what the Japanese call ma, which is just like letting your film breathe. It, it's a frame or a couple frames or even a short scene that doesn't really add anything to your plot or advance the plot at all, but it it builds the world. It lets it lets it breathe it lets you relax and just kind of like process what you just saw and those those scenes where they're sitting and eating or um when chihiro looks down over the bridge and sees the train go underneath like it's just those small things that really build the world but also just let you relax and understand what's what's happening and I love that it's in every single every single film he makes and it's he he does a really good job with uh, the soundtrack as well in which he just there are times where he just doesn't have anything going on there's just ambient sound and nothing else the score yeah the score in this movie is oh, so beautiful and like so I do beautiful. want to throw this out there just so that I can like have this on the record is that even though I've seen this movie so many times I was so enthralled watching it that I forgot to take notes <laughs> so like i took no Whoa. notes well like no like i took no notes and i still have like all of these like thoughts and emotions and feelings that i can just like spew into the microphone for the podcast and it's such it's so enthralling so enthralling and rapturous and all those other words that mean it has your attention <laughs> it's time. just so engaging yeah it's such like that's another word that means it had your attention <laughs> shut <time>. up <laughs> well it's this like... is this is like one of my hundredth time like over a hundred times seeing this movie this is the first time i've actually actually listened to the soundtrack i think that like a lot of that has to do with like viewing it from an adult perspective as opposed to seeing it as a kid because like every time i've watched this movie was like when i was much younger than i am now obviously and i feel like i just like gained so much more from like having an understanding of the world but also like watching the movie like which is obviously a very innocent take on the world mm -hmm. if that makes sense 
Yeah, and also, you know, you you've also learned how to watch a movie. True. <laughs> in a more critical manner, and that's that's one of the big things for me too. Like, this is the first time I've seen it in about probably two years now, but it was a totally different viewing this time. I absolutely loved it more than I ever have this time, which makes me really excited to go back and revisit Mononoke, which is my third favorite movie of all time. <laughs> That's one of the wonderful things about space is it's not completely like watching something new again, but it's like anything, whether it's uh, something you've worked on, like something you wrote, or whether it's something you've consumed, whether it be a book or a movie or a television show, is when you give yourself that space, you can come back to it still with that knowledge you had about it, but also um, with a clear enough head that you can take in these other things. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't watch Speed Racer much. <laughs> I watch it every once in a while, and I get something new every time. <laughs> Suck <laughs> it, Ben. <laughs> Best movie. The fun part is Phil hasn't even heard Ben's reaction. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. oh, God. I, I don't know if I want to, because we'd probably fight. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> he wasn't mean about it. No, I'm just... no. I just am defensive of you and defensive of, like... Speed Racer from the general internet as a whole? Well, like, not even so much Speed Racer, but, like, movies... Like, there are definitely movies I like that are generally, like, not liked. And so, like... Jupiter Ascending? Yeah, so, like, like, I feel like, in a (laughs) way... Jupiter Ascending is a special case. I feel like, in a way, when you, like, really love a movie that the general public doesn't like, you become defensive of it and like i really enjoyed watching speed racer so i've not seen speed racer (laughs) but like there are so many ways to look at a movie and like connect with it on an emotional level like for like jupiter ascending is a good example of that we're like i wouldn't say that jupiter ascending is a good movie but it fulfilled so many of like my adolescent sci-fi girl-led dreams that I love that movie. Like I legitimately love that movie and will defend it to the death because it's like somebody took my 11 year old sci-fi novel and gave it a billion dollar budget. See, at least you have that. When I, when I try to describe the movie to people, I'm like, I just have to say uh, it wasn't good, but it was the most entertaining nonsensical thing I've ever seen. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, it's really like, that's kind of like how speed racer is too, where it's like, really entertaining really colorful and like has like that kind of like outcast vibe to it where like it's clearly somebody's dream you're not sure whose dream it is it's mine it's phil okay it's phil's childhood dream we we have we have the person right here yeah it's phil's childhood (laughs) dream given this huge budget and this huge like playground almost to like run amok in and yeah so that's kind of a tangent which we actually surprisingly have not had a tangent yet in this podcast, and usually we are all over the place, so oh. I'm okay with this. Well, you just brought a tangent about how we go on tangents, so I'm, <laughs> I hope you're proud of what you've done today. Meta. But, but yeah, watch watch Speed Racer. Everyone watch Speed Racer because it's the best movie in the world. It is pure art, and it's a movie about making art. And also, John Goodman is Pops Racer, and there is not a better casting decision that has been made in the history of the world. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, while we're on the tangent, I just want to say... Oh, God, not a tangent. Chris Evans. That's it. That's all I wanted to <laughs> okay, say. Okay, so it sounds like we're done with talking about Spirit of the Way, and that we were all Until true, yes. And that also, like, I need to edit a few seconds out at the very end of the conversation. (laughs) Shut up. If you edit that out, (laughs) I will be so angry. I'll just 
believe the whole thing. Well, he said. The, fu- the fun part is Kayla <laughs> was on Twitter. Kayla was on tr- Twitter trying to figure out how she could relate Chris Evans in, and I was just like, oh, it's easy. The English voice actors are really good when Disney hires them, and then you go to Howl's Moving Castle, which had Christian Bale, who was Batman, and Batman's a superhero, and Chris Evans is also a superhero, and therefore... Kevin Bacon. I like. was just like so excited that you managed to like get it in at the beginning even like Kyle Minton is going to be uh... so upset. <laughs> okay, uh, I do want to say do, does anybody have any like closing remarks about the actual movie we're talking about? Oh, were we talking about a movie? Before before, before <laughs> well, trivia. You know, we're doing such a good job of not earning that explicit tag. <laughs> I was like, you know, maybe we can make this film from the movie. A friend, yeah. You can bleep it podcast. out. Go through and bleep it out. It's too late. Bleep it out. Do you want me to say the name of our employer so you have to go oh, bleep it out? Sir. Okay, so that has made it doubly obvious. We are uh, finished with our discussion of Miyazaki and Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Will we, Phil, I'm sure we will have you back on again as there are five more Miyazaki's on. <laughs> and while I do... And Akira. <laughs> and Akira. And while I do need to spread the love a bit, otherwise there will be a riot if I don't you know, let people watch things that aren't Rush. <laughs> um, uh, let's move on to some fun facts some fun trivia we've had put in a lot of trivia already but kayla do you have something special for us today yes okay so my fun trivia fact of the day is there is a scene in the movie in which chihiro squashes like the evil bug that has been controlling haku and she like makes like a line with her hands and then kamaji comes and chops it and so this is actually a Japanese good luck charm that is done whenever somebody is affected by an impurity. And so I feel like um, that's maybe not something that like would be as important culturally to Americans as Japanese people. But I think it's funny also, though, that like it, it's kind of lost on us in the translation. But it turns out that the actress Rumi Hiraji that played Chihiro didn't actually know about that like tradition or that good luck charm and so they had to explain it to her and so like it's kind of like like it's not like nice but like it's nice it is nice to know that like it isn't just lost on us as american viewers it's one of those things that like one of the sound engineers was like oh the young don't know things these days Mm -hmm. it's an easter egg for the old folk yeah and well my uh my my statistic about the imdb 250 today is a word is also that is a word (laughs) there are several words i'm not great at words but sometimes that can word's okay but this uh so there are 19 movies on the imdb 250 that are animated or at least carry the designation of animation which is 0.076 percent uh that number is kind of inconsequential mainly 19 movies the thing is, of those 19 movies, six are Miyazaki movies, seven total are Studio Ghibli movies, yeah, and seven of the other ones are Pixar movies, leaving only five animated movies on the list that are not made by Studio Studios Ghibli or Pixar. Which is actually no. also funny because Disney has the American distribution rights and basically is in charge of the American release of all the Studio Ghibli movies. So it's kind of like this huge conglomerate taking up like almost all yeah. of that statistic. Well, and, and the other movies are, for the most part, so there's The Lion King is on there, and I think Beauty mm-hmm. Beast is on Beauty, Yeah, As I think Beauty and the Beast is on there. <laughs> so the, like, the exceptions are How to Train Your Dragon. Woo! And Definitely Akira. Be up there. 
Akira, which is not a Studio Ghibli movie. Which definitely deserves to be up there. Yeah. Akira is just like... It's almost to the bottom. It's... It's very near the bottom. Oh, man. It's very near the bottom. We gotta do that soon, then, because it, that's a super important movie. If it was even on there, I... Grotesque Kindergarten, man. But you know what? At least we have Rush at number 160. Yeah, which I still, don't, I still don't understand. Akira is a much better... Just, like, from a filmmaking perspective. Well, Kayla, I don't know how you feel about NWA, but it's looking like we'll have to review straight out of Compton. Mother... Yes. It was at uh, 8.4 <laughs> with over... 10,000 votes or something like that. I, God, believe, so. I can't think of a there. Like, you know what? Actually, I would like, I care about Rush more than I care about that movie. I'm just going to go out there and say that. <laughs> <laughs> worse. So. Uh, can we just, can we just have a moment of silence for the fact that no cartoon saloon movies are on, are, are in the top 250 and secret of Kells and song of the sea definitely deserve to be like number one and two. Yes. <laughs> Cause uh, they're gorgeous. Um, I do have I do have a little bit of trivia that I prepared about Spirited Away. Yes, please. Um, it was the first film ever to break 200 million in the box office before its international release. So like just in Japan, it made 200 million, which is like unheard of. <laughs> like still to this day, I'm pretty sure. And um, John Lasseter did the casting for the English uh, dub. And he is, he has done the casting for almost every Pixar movie. I was going to say that's and, the other connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why um, John Ratzenberger is actually the uh, Aniyaku, the assistant manager in it. And if you pay attention to Pixar, John Ratzenberger is literally in every Pixar movie in some fashion <laughs> to the point where car, the, the, the credits of Cars have him, have his character in Cars making fun of all the pixar movies who have him playing isn't it like they always use the same actors or something yeah they always use the same actors in these things i can't believe it (laughs) and i just i I just love that i love john ratzenberger just for the the fact that he's like in everything yeah that pixar does i think it's awesome also is that this is like obviously animated movie like it it sucks to me that like I kind of hate that the Academy Awards have like a special designated like spot for animated movies now because I extremely dislike that animated movies are kind of held like below other movies Mm -hmm. because if we're thinking about it, like Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture and if Spirited Away had been in the running like before they made the animated feature, it probably would have also been nominated for Best Picture. And um... Or we could have at least had a big uproar 2001 was relative yeah. to the year, but big uproar about how it wasn't nominated, and we could talk about how much better we are. Well, you know, Academy. they basically made that uh, category because they didn't want to nominate Shrek for Best Picture. You know that, yeah. right? I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely why. Shrek is a great movie, and I will fight Shrek you. Love. Okay, Shrek is life. Best Picture. Mint Ogre Load. Have you seen the first Shrek movie recently? I saw it several times. It's really it's good. So good. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's a really good movie. Oh, it's fair. Well, it has Smash Mouth in it, so it can't be that good. But uh, somebody once oh, told me Christ. the world is gonna roll. So me. that is that marks that is time to move on to our next segment. <laughs> it is our oh wait segment. wait um also fun fun thing that I totally forgot um Tara Strong voices Bo the baby. I love Tara in the Strong. English dub, and I love Tara Strong. 
Tara Strong so, is Tommy on yeah, Rats. Tommy, and Tommy Pickles. Also, like, five billion other things because she's literally one of the most prolific voice actresses in the entire world. So there's a good chance that there's a character you like. It's probably voiced by either Tara Strong or Cree Summers. Like, that's that's about it. <laughs> uh, also look up the Emerald City Comic Con video um, from, like, 2013 where she and the guy who, vo- like, a, b- a bunch of other voice actors sit on a panel and read the script of Star Wars A New Hope in different character voices. Nice. Like where ben, where Bender from Futurama is Darth Vader while Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls is Chewbacca and all this wonderful stuff. That might so, be the only way I would ever care possible. about Star Wars. Wow. <laughs> it's it's so the best. Strong. <laughs> oh, so we'll be getting to how you feel about Star Wars one day. One day. <laughs> Woo. Teaser. But so our final segment is recommendations, mm-hmm. and we're going to start with Phil. Phil, I, I I actually now couldn't decide between two recommendations. So my first recommendation is Song of the Sea, uh, came out last year by Cartoon Saloon, uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. I cried during it, and I got the pleasure of uh, having a local release very very limited release it was i think it was in theaters here for like three days but i got to go see it and it was just absolutely gorgeous one of my just i cannot say enough about this movie and i can't put most of it into words even so i just babble <laughs> but it is seriously just beautiful I can't and i this. really re- i really recommend everyone watch it because it deserves every viewing it can and my other recommendation is um called redline it is a 2009 animated or anime film um it is about uh racing it is and i i would like a lot of movies about driving oddly enough i love the fast and the furious i love speed racer i love mad max um but redline is just gorgeous the plot is nonsensical it's barely there it's very broken but it was, I think, 14 years in the making, and every single scene, every single frame is hand-drawn. There's over 17,000 individual frames draw, hand-drawn for this movie, and it is just gorgeous, and it is action-packed throughout, and I just I, I love this movie. I watch it every once in a while, and I just gets my adrenaline pumping, so I really recommend Redline. That's awesome. I actually have not heard of that, which oh, is kind of same. a first for the recommendations on our podcast, which makes me really happy. So I'm going to check that out probably, hopefully soon. Good. Kayla, what uh, do you have today? Okay, so I actually have two recommendations. I thought of one as we were talking, which is really strange and out of left field. So I'm going to start with the more normal one is that uh, you, if you have not, if you've watched spirited away and you have somehow not seen Kiki's delivery service, you absolutely need to watch that because that is my other absolute favorite Miyazaki movie. And it also kind of deals with like a little girl growing up and coming into herself. Um, It makes my heart happy every time I watch it. It's obviously beautifully animated, beautifully scored, all the things you would expect from a Miyazaki movie. That's actually the Miyazaki movie I saw the most as a kid. I saw that so very many times. <laughs> it's such a good movie. And honestly, uh, my friend Jessica and I last summer 
like during a huge rainstorm got drunk and watched that movie and it was like such an awesome experience because i don't know if you know this but being drunk like makes you even more like susceptible to pure happiness so i did not know that (laughs) yeah so drunkenness affects your emotional well-being yeah so sorry i'm sacrificing our like family-friendly podcast but get drunk and watch geeky's delivery service kids kids get drunk and watch miyazaki (laughs) films twice three times but uh, yeah so my other recommendation that's like really weird and out of left field is that if you're kind of looking to go more adult in a way uh the terrence malick movie tree of life kind of has that same like theme of like reconciling your parents failures into your current persona and like growing up and dealing with that and it has these like really interesting segments about like the birth of empathy and the birth of the universe strangely enough and um dealing with like obviously the parents in spirited away aren't abusive in the way that the Brad Pitt is in Tree of Life. But I think that, like, in a way, they strangely kind of correlate with, like, this great cinematography and, like, kind of growing up and understanding your parents' failures and how they shaped you as a person. And so, yeah. My one disclaimer with that is that it is a Terrence Malick movie. And it feels kind of like the longest movie ever, even though it's under two hours. But it is beautifully shot and beautifully acted. And it has dinosaurs. It has dinosaurs, yes. <laughs> yeah, so those are my recommendations for the week. Tyler. So Kayla recommended another Miyazaki movie. Mine is the movie about Miyazaki, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, the documentary that came out last year about Studio Ghibli. Um, obviously, Hayao Miyazaki is very present in it. it actually, unlike so, as most uh, most Studio Ghibli DVD or uh, movies are difficult to get a hold of because Disney has the distribution rights, so you have to buy like an overpriced DVD or Blu-ray to watch it. You still can't buy the Blu-rays in America. I almost positive of it, and even still, you should wait for the box set that we're gonna get because it's gonna get it's gonna be so beautiful. Fortunately, the while it is impossible digitally to get legally the movies of <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli, you can get the documentary about them on Netflix, no problem. Or you can stream it, or you can like rent it through Amazon or any of those other surface, services. So if you can't get a hold of the actual movies, you can like get a taste of them and the stuff behind yeah. them. Mm-hmm. It is oh, it is free of highly worth watching. Yes. But uh, that is all I have for this week. Thank you for joining us this week, Phil. We look, we very much look forward to having you on again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. I love talking movies. <laughs> I love talking to you, so it works out. <laughs> oh, the best. Kayla, it was all right to have you on here again. I, I'd say good, <laughs> but you found a way to fit Chris Evans again and again. I so, didn't do uh, that. Phil did that. I'm an enabler. Place. Phil never I'm an enabler. Chris Evans. No, he did. He mentioned Captain America, uh, which is like mentioning Chris Evans. Anyways, to hear more about uh, Chris Evans and his many exploits and his <laughs> many abs and maybe a movie somewhere in there, join us again next week. Podcast drops every Friday. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. And remember, Jurassic World is trash and always will be. Yes.
Every time, I'm, I'm like, we're good to go, we're good to go. I'm like, right. Yeah, last week I introduced the wrong path. It is a... Ma, blah. <laughs> it's good, it's good. All right. <sighs>